and good evening, high school football fans. Welcome to the Prep Sportsport High School Pigskin Preview for week number 12. And as the old ball coach would say, it is week number 12, because there is no such thing as a zero week. We play 12 weeks of football, and that's it. It's over, so no more week 11, week 10, whatever you want to do. I'm going to get off my bandwagon now. Week number 12, final regular season week. A lot of implications, and it's always a lot of talking about what's going to happen tonight and tomorrow night on the gridiron, or as we say, under the lights, under the Friday night lights here in Savannah, Georgia. So I'm glad to be back. I'm the coach, Carl DeMasi, and uh, it's going to be another uh, great show. We'll recap last week. We'll uh, talk about the outstanding players. We'll talk about the schedule coming up. We'll talk about the playoffs. And I ain't going to do it by myself. Okay, I ain't going to do it by myself, as we say in New York. Forget about it. Got to bring on the young man that's all over the place. I mean, you name it. He's got your John Sports. He's got the Hot Grids podcast. He's got Connect Savannah Option Newsletter. He does a preview for the Prep Sports Report. You name it. He's all over the gridiron. He loves eating the pigskin. And uh, he's going to join me live right now. Joining me on the Coach's Corner Hot Seat is the man himself, the sports reporter, the young pup, Travis Jadon. What's up, Travis? How's it going? What's up, Carl? Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to talk about uh, high school football this week. There's a lot going on. Well, you know, we've been doing it the whole year together. You've been doing the previews. You've been doing the recaps. And then, you you know, you jumped on with uh, Connect Savannah. You're doing it there now. So uh, I think you know what's going on on, on the gridiron and the sports scene here as far as high school sports scenes go. So what better person than talking to you? And I got to be honest, if you're listening, fans, because we're going to a podcast, not a podcast, whatever they call it, Okay. Because it's so hard to get these coaches because they're still coaching, you know, trying to find time to get them on. It's really tough to do. So I don't want to bug them anymore. Maybe we'll do uh, an interview with the uh, coaches that make the playoffs after this week. So we'll see what happens. But so it makes it a lot easier. So we're going to break this down into four quarters. First quarter, last week's schedules, last week's results. Second quarter, we'll talk about the outstanding football players or who had outstanding nights or Madden-like nights on the gridiron. Then we'll get into – the schedule coming up tonight and tomorrow night. Okay, yes, because there's a big Thursday night matinee because of Hurricane Ian. All right. And then, of course, we'll talk about the playoffs. Playoffs. That's right. We're getting into the playoffs. And one <laughs> team's already starting in the playoffs tomorrow night. So we'll talk about that, too. So let's kick it off. Quarter number one, last week's scores, okay, in Georgia High School State Association first. These are all Georgia High School Association classifications. In 7-8, Richmond Hill had to go down and beat Lowndes. They lost 35-3. to it looked kind of good. I think Richmond Hill scored first, right, Travis? And it just fell apart from there. Yeah, they had a 3 nothing lead. Richmond Hill did through one quarter, and I think they only trailed um, – it was either 7-3 – th- I think it was 7-3 to three at halftime. And then Lowndes scored 14 in the third, 14 in the fourth. Um, sort of the same story we've talked about all year with Richmond Hill. They're good enough to play with the best teams in the state, but they're not great enough to kind of be there at the end like they're accustomed to. No worries about Matt Lazada and their program. That eliminated them from state playoff contention, Carl. But right. I think moving forward, they'll end up reloading as opposed to rebuilding. Yep, I agree with you 100%. Matt Lazada, great young coach, has that program rolling. There's a little uh, blip in the road or a bump in the road, and uh, they'll get over that obstacle and come back bigger and better next year. All right. And and six- I'm sorry. Hey, quickly on Richmond Hill, it should be noted. I, I think Ty Goldrick is the leading passer in the region. And Zion Gilliard, the leading rusher in the region, uh, they're both seniors, but that's something to tell you about okay. Richmond Hill. They had the region's number one passer and the region's number one rusher. Oh, we'll get we'll get into that in the players in the in the second quarter. So, oh, yeah. the young pup, <laughs> the gun. Okay, all right. So let's go to six uh, eight classification. Uh, Effingham County took care of business. They went to Lakeside Evans, one twenty seven seven. South Effingham still holding on hopes. They beat Grovetown uh, 19-14. So both Effingham counties, well, Effingham County High School is a lock. South Effingham takes on Evans, and we'll talk about that uh, when we get into uh, this week's schedule in the playoffs. So uh, the Mustangs, hey, they're, they're rallying the wagons in the corral. They got a good shot at doing something. Yeah, that was a big game for them because Grovetown is like is equal to them in the region, essentially. They have yes. pretty much the same overall record as well. So they gave them, it gave them another shot to play for – playoff hopes and I didn't think they'd end up making it so that's a huge win for them maybe the biggest of the year yeah we'll, we'll talk about the playoffs because there's a lot of implications in that one all right yeah. and then of course Jenkins Jenkins beats Bradwell 24-14 nothing flashy 
but they take on Statesboro uh, tomorrow night, Friday night. So we'll talk about that too. So Jenkins, believe it or not, could wind up getting a three seed out of that region. Yeah, just like what we said, you know, a couple weeks ago when we talked Carl, or last week maybe, the weeks are running together. But Jenkins, you know, for all the games that have gotten away from them, this was the kind of game that they should have won. Um, and I thought that, you know, they, they didn't play their A-plus game against Bradwell. No. And they still won fairly handily, like, you know, comfortably at least. Right. Uh, it didn't come down to the last second. And it gave them a chance to, yeah, now you're fighting for a three-seed against Statesboro this week. Wild. It's, it's definitely wild. Like I told you, Tony Welch, he has those boys going. All right. Then I know that's a. your guy. That's your man. Yeah. In 4A, Benedictine, 49, Islands, 3. Uh, Islands came out in that first half and uh, put a scare on Benedictine. But Benedictine, I guess, got a good uh, good halftime speech by uh, good old coach Danny Britt. They came out and they scored, you know, it was 14-3 at halftime. So they put up 35 points in the second half. Burke County had to play, had to play, has to play three games in 10 days, they took care of business. They beat New Hampshire 37-27, but we got to talk about it. Uh, Monday night or uh, Tuesday night, Monday night, I think, Tuesday night, they had to come back and they took on Wayne County. They lost 17-16, and Coach Parker, 26 years head coach there at Burke County, has a heart attack on the sideline. They delayed the game at least 30 minutes. They had to fly him to Savannah. From what I understand, he's in stable condition, but – uh, you know they wound up losing a you know losing a tough game and that 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 probably clinches second place for Wayne and Burke clinches third. Yeah, it's incredible to I, like I don't want to compare Coach Parker's heart attack literally on the sidelines of a football game to things like the hurricane moving games around shifting, but it seems like this whole region has been there's been a little something thrown off about it all year. Um, yeah, and there's always a region like that, but prayers up for Coach Parker I, and. Uh, you know, I hope he's able to make a safe recovery and, and hopefully back to the sidelines. I don't even know if that's up in the air right now. I don't think that's going to be feasible for the playoffs. So, uh, you know, the troops will rally around Coach Parker. Yeah, uh, sure. Coaches will pull it together. And, uh, you know, they couldn't stop the game because I didn't know this. If they stopped the game when it happened, they would have forfeited, even though in the long run they wound up losing in the end. So 17-16, Jay Bo Shore. Uh, could be pulling out a second place finish, uh, but uh, we got a big one, big one tonight with uh, Benedictine and New Hampshire. We'll talk about in a couple of minutes. All right, in three A, Liberty County all over Beach, thirty nine seven. Michael Thompson still trying to find the right chemistry over there. Calvary Day School, Calvary Day School, Calvary Day School, forty eight nothing over Long County. Long County came in with the best running back. He couldn't do anything. I don't have the final statistics, but I I, I bet you Long County didn't gain a hundred yards. I mean, uh, and Long County, I think, came into the game thinking they could give Calvary a game. And you could see in the second half when they couldn't get it and Calvary kept on scoring, how frustrated they were. I was there. All right. Savannah Christian over Groves 48 to 8. Savannah Country Day with the shocker 29 6 over your boys. Okay. Country Day knocks off Adam Smashes. So, well, sorry, your brother's boys. Country Day's mm-hmm. your boys. So, uh, it's the, the Jordans against the Jordans. And uh, was that pretty interesting at, the, at home when you started talking about it? Yeah, well, he knows better. Listen, when it comes to me and my younger brother, Michael, when it's our teams matched up against each other, his record is not great. And he'll be the, fir- he'll be the first to tell you that. But, no, that, that Country Day Johnson game was interesting on multiple levels, but it, it opened up the chaos that we'll talk about later in 3-3-A, that Johnson loss um, to Country Day. And I will say this about that game specifically, Carl, is that the whole thing is really, really different if quarterback Malachi Bacon plays for Johnson. And so I would like to put that caveat in there. Um, yes, the score gotta, looked like it was lopsided. Yeah, but, I mean, it was, a, it was a radical difference. And I guess that's pretty obvious when you lose your starting quarterback. Yeah, and he meant a lot to that offense. So, all right. Yeah. In two-way, uh, Windsor Forest, just uh, no wins this year. Uh, they wound, I think they had one win, no wins in region. They're 40, they lost 41 nothing to uh, Toombs County. In 1A, Bryan County – with a big homecoming win over Savannah High, sets up a big game against Claxton for the third place in that division. So Bryan County will be going to the playoffs. St. Andrews pulls out a big one against Bulk Academy, which I don't know when the last time St. Andrews ever beat Bulk Academy in Giza or Georgia Independent Association. Uh, they won 30-26. to 26. And then in uh, the AA, Southwest Georgia takes care of the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Roman Nomads or the Matadors, 51-6. to 6. And Buford Academy... 
Playing for first place against Bethesda. Bethesda came close, but lost a tough one. They had 30, 35 to 30. Yeah, Bethesda can't quite put together two halves of late. Um, but it's, you know, you can either be pessimistic about the first half or extremely optimistic about the second half if you're Antoine Turner. But I guess, and coach, you could speak to this. That's probably the byproduct of having a young roster. It's the flashes of greatness, but, but maybe not the consistency. Hey, big, tur- big turnaround from last year. They took baby steps last oh, year. Yeah. They're starting to run with the ball this year. So, uh, you know, Antoine Turner, and they start playoffs, which we'll talk about later on uh, tomorrow night. So it should be pretty excited. So, uh, and St. Andrews is doing the same thing, except for they started slow, and now yep. they're starting to pick it up. Yep, and they got a big one for Drake Academy region, region oh, yeah. championship right there. So, all right. All right, so that's quarter number one in the books. You're listening to the Prep Sports Report High School Pig- High School. Pigskin preview for uh, week number 12 with the coach called Demasi and the sports reporter, Travis Jadon. So uh, we're going to get into quarter number two, outstanding players of the week or outstanding players of the year. You want to name it, you're talking about quarterbacks. I did some research. Ty Goldrick, 1,329 yards this year, eight touchdowns, four interceptions. How about Nate Hayes at FEM County High, at FEM County High School? 1,433 yards, 12 touchdowns, and two interceptions. Then, of course, you got to talk about Jake Merklinger over at um, at Calvary, uh, 1,348 yards, 22 touchdowns, and I think two interceptions. And then, of course, we got to go with Paulie Seeley, who leads everybody as far as yards go, 1,732 yards, 22 touchdowns, eight interceptions. And don't forget about Luke Cromahawk with 1,463 yards, and he's got 14 touchdowns with two interceptions. Pretty good ratio for all these quarterbacks this year, I, I could say. Uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know about those numbers from the Evingham guys, um, yeah. but that explains a lot about their turnaround for sure. Um, I think what we thought at the beginning of the year, Cromenhawk, Merklinger, Seeley, in any order, they each have their own, you know, skill sets. But, you know, when you – like, and I just wrote down those stats that you called out. It doesn't surprise me that Pauly Seeley has the most yards. That would make sense for the kind of season New Hampshire's had. Uh, whereas Merklinger has just been ultra efficient. I mean, imagine if Calvary would would have been down, uh, you know, just two or three games this year in the second half. He'd probably have 40, 50, 60 more attempts. And you can only imagine what Merklinger would do with with those numbers. But he's been really good. And then Cromenhawk is, is sort of, you know, guiding a ship that's really rolling on its own in, in terms of Benedictine. But, you know, as soon as he gets hot, his stats are going to pile up quickly too. I noticed uh, Carl on Merklinger. He's got uh, a couple years ago on prep sports report. We did um, Holden Gurner, uh, Barry Kleinpeter and Javante Middleton were the three quarterbacks. And we did their career stats for just Savannah quarterbacks in, in, you know, the modern era, so to speak since 2000. And those were the three that we came up with. Merklinger needs 32 yards to pass Javante Middleton, and he's only a junior now um, in terms of passing yards. He also has 65 passing touchdowns for his career, Carl. And do you want to guess how many Kleinpeter had? 74. Gurner had 75. So he's 10 touchdowns away from those kinds of names, and he still has another season. That's what kind of career he's putting together. And he's got a lot of kids coming back too. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, Calvary has plenty coming back, man. And I just wish, and I'm, you know, I'm not saying anything bad or people taking this the wrong way. I just wish St. Andrews would have put up the stats for uh, Zayden Edwards. I mean, the kid's only a sophomore. I mean, last week, another 238 yards, 13 of 26 passing. Uh, I mean, a touchdown rush for 72 yards. I mean, Zayden Edwards could be right up there with all of them, but I don't have his uh, yearly stats or his career stats. So I'd like to see what that Yeah. Yeah, me too. And he, he would be right there in the mix. Um, I would imagine that he would be somewhere like Zittrauer at Savannah Christian, maybe not as many yards, but certainly right in, in there in terms of touchdowns. Uh, but it's tough to do without the stats. It's tough to compare. All right. So who, who stood out the most for you last week? And I got to thank, of course, uh, Dennis Knights puts together all the stats for their uh, Savannah Morning News High School Player of the Week. The fans vote on but I'm telling you right now, uh, I mean, uh, Zaquan Bryan had a, had a night for himself. I mean, a touchdown reception, two interceptions, uh, one for a 27-yard touchdown uh, over uh, 
over islands. But uh, I'm telling you, this kid, Nate Hayes, his father was a football coach at uh, at, um, at Effingham County. He's also a football college football player. I watched this kid since he's crawling. I mean, another unbelievable night, 17 to 25, 230 yards, three touchdowns, rushed for 50 yards on six carries in that win over Lakeside Evans. They're going to need him big time between the bricks, which we'll get into when we talk about uh, tonight and tomorrow night's schedule. But he, he stood out the most for me this week. Yeah, those numbers are pretty impressive. I, I mean, I think for me, I would go with either – and I would go with Zoe Smalls because he had four touchdowns for Savannah Christian. Um, but you have to take into account that it was against Groves. Four touchdowns is four touchdowns, no matter what. But it was against sort of a lesser defense. So I, I think I'll go Zaquan Bryan just because he's been – a little bit silent in terms of, you know, in compared to years past where he's just, you know, every week he's had crazy stats. He's been a little bit quieter this year as far as the stats go. And so for him to get two interceptions, uh, a receiving touchdown, and I think a return touchdown right, um, as well is putting your stamp on the game. Um, and to, so for me, I think I'll go Zaquan Bryan with Zoe Small's close second. I mean, Plus, I can't give it to Merklinger every week. I can't give it to Merklinger every week. <laughs> Merklinger or Cromenhawk. I mean, uh, I mean, they're just uh, typical guys. I mean, AJ Butts didn't have a bad night. I mean, he rushed for ninety yards. And I don't know. I have. I didn't go into the seven A and six A schools, but uh, Zoe Smalls. I can only find out he's the closest running back in the city to a thousand yards. Do you have anybody else? He's at nine oh six going into this last game this week. Rushing yards? Rushing yards. Yeah, he would be close. I don't do you know what Zion Gilliard's at? Um for Richmond Hill, he might be close, but I guess he's not technically in the city. Zoe Smalls would definitely be the leading uh rush yards. Um and then I would think maybe someone like Caleb Smith at, at New Hampshire might be able to do it. Amarion Scott and Samari Dowdy have split enough carries at Johnson where at neither one of them will come close to a thousand yards same story at calvary obviously um michael grandy if he goes i think he needs he would need something close to 200 in the final week so that's unlikely but they're playing groves it's stranger things have happened um so yeah, those are some I of the mean, names that pop up. and if you're listening to this and you know of a kid hey email me all right carl demasi at uh, gmail.com or carl demasi at prepsports.com or Travis Jadon at Jadon Sports. Let us know if there's someone that has a thousand yards as far as in the county of Chatham. We know Liberty County has a thousand yard rusher. I don't know what's up there in Effingham. So I'd love to find out that information. Uh, if there is a thousand yard rusher, while well, we know the kid from Long County, he's over a thousand yards. Yeah, he is. <laughs> so, but I'm telling you right now, Calvary shut him down last week, Travis. He couldn't go anywhere. That's interesting, though. I mean, a thousand yards is pretty. We usually have several people, right? That's why I'm shocked. That's interesting. That's that's, that's that why is. I'm shocked. Sign of the times, man. Nobody wants to get down and gritty anymore. It's all about the spread offense. Well, everybody wants to sling the ball. That's what that's what it is all all right now. Everybody wants to throw the ball, throw it around, and uh, you know, it, you know. I guess three yards in a cloud of dust is not good enough. Or was Woody Hayes, Woody Hayes four yards in a cloud of dust? I don't know which way you want to go with that. <laughs> so. Well, I would I would say defense wins championships, and but then all you got to do is look at what Benedictine did last year. They just all broke right, the scoreboard the whole time. A quick note, Lorenzo Cowan out of Jenkins, he had four tackles, three with sacks in that 24-14 win over Bradwell Institute. So uh, the bookends over there, Gatson and uh, Cowan are, are pretty special in uh, I mean, they're going to have to be special uh, tomorrow night at Statesboro. Yeah, they're going to need those guys for sure. And, and those are two other guys, Carl, that haven't had a lot of stats this year. But all it takes is a couple seconds watching Jenkins. And yep. you can tell who those guys are right when they walk on the field. Well, you know, I, ho I hope that region starts, uh, you know, I hope that region, but I hope Jenkins, uh, with all the teams they played this year, and you can go a little further on that. I know we're talking a little, little bit about teams, but – I mean, how many how many top ten teams did they play this year? A lot. I mean, so they played, and look, they have six losses. I think, I right. think that's correct. Five of those have come to GHSA ranked teams, uh, and their their other loss was like week two or three against 
uh, Buford. I think either Buford or Bluffton, a South Carolina team who could be a top 10 team. Right. I don't know if they're a top 10 or not. So that was their sixth loss. Yeah, there's a fine line between scheduling tough and scheduling impossible. But at least one of those games, they could have won. They could have won that Wayne County game. Uh, but, you know, other than that, Benedictine and Ware County to play both of those teams is tough. Coffee County, another top 10 team. Um, so Tony Welch didn't do his kids any favor with the schedule, but they should be well prepared. It's going to be interesting. And uh, I found another little tidbit here. Jaden Evans, the running back at FEM County, he has 876 yards going into the big championship game uh, tomorrow night between the bricks down there in uh, Glen County against Brunswick. So uh, I, I that's the closest I got is just so small. So I guess, like you said, it's all about throwing a pigskin instead of running it. And, hey, it's just another incentive to make the playoffs because those those stats are going to count. It's not like the NFL or college football. I mean, the, all your all your games count. So, All right. So uh, that's inning. Oh, inning. That's quarter number two. That's <laughs> quarter number two in the, in the books, uh, talking about the special players from last week, week 11. Now, week 12's schedule. Okay, you're listening, of course, to the Prep Sports Report High School Pigskin Preview for week 12 with the coach Carl Damasi and the sports reporter Travis Jadon. From Jadon Sports, Connect Savannah, Hot Grids Podcast, the Prep Sports Sport. I don't think the guy goes to sleep. But anyway, uh, here <laughs> we go. This week's schedule, okay? T- tonight, 7 o'clock, out of Pooler. Hurricane Ian changed the date. Benedictine at New Hampshire. If New Hampshire would have won their last two games, this would have been for first place. But they dropped their last two games against Burke and Wayne County. So what do you think coming in here? What do you, what do you think is going to happen tonight? Yeah, I think it's just a get-right game, a get-prepared game for both sides. Again, this game was one that we had circled when it was originally scheduled earlier in the year. But, you know, now that it's where it is, the the region is set as far as Region 3, 4A goes. Um, New Hampshire is going to be the four seed. They're going to play at Troop County, I believe. Um, And so I think all eyes for New Hampshire will be on that. So I I would caution people that if the final score is lopsided – or hell, even if New Hampshire were to beat Benedictine, you know there could be something else to it because I don't think either team is going to play their ones for more than a, maybe a half of football. I mean, Carl, unless there's something I'm missing, there's absolutely nothing to gain from this, right? And it's not like the teams is going home afterwards. Like, you know, then you could play the role of spoiler and, and lean into that. But they both have way bigger games coming the following week. And like um, you said, the, the key is uh, get out of this game without anybody getting hurt. I mean, you're going to be in the playoffs. Uh, you know, Benedictine's already the number one seed. Uh, New Hampshire will be the number four seed. Just get out without any, any injuries so you can go into the first round of play- playoffs and make it to the Sweet 16. That's your goal. So uh, I think that's what's going to be on both coaches' mind. But, you know, it's also bragging rights. I mean, New Hampshire's going to come in. Uh, they've been looking forward to this game all year. Anytime you play Benedictine, you know, it's a measuring stick. So uh, Kyle Hockman's going to have his kids ready for this game, and they're going to come in to win the game. So it should be pretty interesting how it goes. Sure. Now, if it's like 23-20 in the third quarter, uh, Danny Britt and Kyle Hockman, neither one are – good luck telling those guys that it doesn't – because once you get into it, it's going to be hard to pull back the reins, so to speak. But I, I think this game being on a Thursday helps both schools because now I would imagine Kyle Hockman – on Friday night is going to be watching Troop County wherever and whenever they play. Right. And I'm sure Danny Britt, and maybe not Danny himself, but the BC coaches will be somewhere Friday night checking out whatever, you know, uh, let's see, Region 4, 4A is doing to try to get an early scouting report on their first-round opponents, which is something yep. that they're not going to have the luxury of doing, the other region. All right. So that's uh, tonight, 7 o'clock out there at Pooler Stadium. Everything is cooler and pooler. So uh, it'll be Benedictine, the visiting team against New Hampshire. All right, tomorrow night's schedule, Colquitt County, uh, 7A, Region 1 against Richmond Hill. I mean, you're coming in against a, a, one of the best teams in the state. So uh, you're coming into the Hill, though. I think Matt Lazada have his kids pumped up to, to, to look for the win t- tomorrow night. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all for this game to be close or Richmond Hill leading through one quarter through halftime. And even into the second half, I think Colquitt County wins, Carl. But again, like I, I don't, I would not be shocked at all 
if Richmond Hill did what 99% of the state thinks they can't do because they have a habit of doing that kind of thing. Hey, Country Day wasn't supposed to win last week. <laughs> That's right. That's so right. You never, you never know. That's why we played a game. All right. And then in 6A, Effingham playing for a region championship against Brunswick, who still gets no respect. They're the number ninth ranked team in 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 six A. They're nine and zero. Nobody's even come close. It just blows my mind. They have not lost a regular season game, Carl Brunswick, since the, since there was a worldwide pandemic. Like <laughs> the last time they lost, there was no such thing as COVID. That's how long it's been, and yet they can't get any love from the polls. I don't think Garrett Grady and the Brunswick coaching staff give a rip about the polls. But I kind of do. So, yeah, they should get a little more respect. I like Brunswick to win pretty handily. But, like, everything Evingham has done these last two months has shown – I think shown everyone that's watched them that they shouldn't be counted out. So I'll count them out again and maybe I'll eat my words. But I like Brunswick to win this game. And hopefully, for their sake, they do a little better in the playoffs this year than they did last year after such a great season. Now, but this is one of the biggest games in, in I would think, in Evingham County football history, like in recent history. Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I would definitely say so. And if I'm John Ford, I'm telling my kids, we got nothing to lose. We're not supposed to be here. We, we shouldn't have won seven games in a row. That's what everybody's saying. That's what all the naysayers are saying. So just go in there, have fun, and you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, you know, they got some great uh, athletes, uh, Wallace, Evans, uh, Hayes. Uh, so – you never know what the Rebels are going to do. And this could be a lot of fun to watch uh, just because, you know, Brunswick is supposed to win it from the get-go, right? Yeah. And this is if you're Ford, you just say to your team, like, look, the last seven weeks, you, everything you've done has given you this opportunity to be here because you, you shouldn't really even be here feeling these nerves or feeling this pressure or feeling this anxiety about this game. But you've earned that, right? And so even for them to be in this position – um, I think is special for them. If they come out and win, though, then you know they might have to uh, they might have to have extra security in Springfield on Friday night. Uh, it, it's going to be a good one if they return victorious. All right, if they ever get back, yeah. If they if ever they get, get back. back. All right, so yeah. uh, Jenkins goes to Statesboro, uh, and just looking up the stats, Jenkins. Uh, sorry, Statesboro comes to Jenkins at Memorial Stadium, and uh, Statesboro comes in with the leading rusher in that region. Uh, I think his name is Lovett. He has over a thousand yards, like a thousand thirty-nine. So Jenkins, I feel, I mean, they're already locked for a fourth seed. If they win, they they'll make a three seed. I just think Jenkins has got a lot going for him. I think Tony Tony Welch and the I think the Jenkins team will come and put in four quarters, which they haven't done all year, right? Um, no, they have not. And I think for Jenkins, what they need to do is get this game to the second half within one possession as best they can. Uh, I, I don't want to say this like offhandedly, but Jenkins punter is an absolute weapon. When, when you combine what, what Michael Becton, I believe is his name, what, what he can do with what Jenkins's defense can do for Jenkins's sake, they should let that be their catapult to their offense against Statesboro. Because Statesboro's going to score, and they're going to do it a lot with Lovett. Like you said, I think his name is Jordan Lovett, if I'm yes, not mistaken. Jordan Lovett. Yeah, but, it's Jordan Lovett. He looks the part. He reminds me a lot of uh, – um, this is high praise, but a lot of uh, like J.D. King. He used to run at Fitzgerald right. High School. Um, he, he's that kind of runner that can carry it 30 times a game. But Jenkins has seen running backs like this before and offenses like this before. If they can stay out of their own way, they can win this game and go into the playoffs, Carl, as a number three seed. And to me, that would be a, a wild success based on where they were at at certain points this season. Yeah, but like you said, we've been saying along, they've played five, to- five top ten teams. So it hasn't been an easy cakewalk for Jenkins all year. No, yeah, but if they – I just mean that, like, the difference between the three seed and the four seed for some teams, not that huge. Like, you're probably going to – lose anyway if you're honest with yourself as a four like you but that's not jenkins like if they can get a three seed maybe face a little lesser of a team in the two seed they could easily find themselves in the second round of the playoffs um and so i think this game matters 
more than most three and four seed games. Yeah, and I'm going to go with you on uh, Becton. He's averaging almost 40 yards a punt. Uh, no, more than that. He's up. Sorry. I want to go with uh, – I always mess this up. Sit and sticker, the uh, kicker. Okay. You want me to tell you how I pronounce it? How do you pronounce it? it this could be wrong too, but I go side and sticker. Side and sticker. That's it. No, you're right. It's side and sticker. Is that okay? right? He's got nine touchbacks on kickoffs. That's a weapon in high school football. If you can put the ball in the end zone and the other team has to start at the 20-yard line, I mean, it's unbelievable. Also, like you said, if he goes for a 50-yard field goal and he puts it in the end zone, the other team has to start at 20 yards. I mean, that's great too. And yeah. So they got a punter who can kick and they got a kicker who can kick field goals. Those are two weapons right there for him. Well, especially in the playoffs, because to me, it's always about those point afters. Can, like, can you have a guy that's going to make 19 out of every 20 PATs? Because a lot of high school kickers are going to make more like 13, 14, 15 out of 20. And that can come back and bite you in the butt, you know, right. especially in close games. So they have those two things. And obviously they have a great defense. They got to get some sort of passing game going. If they do that, then they're going to be a threat. All right. So uh, we'll go to 3A. Okay. Calvary at Beach. Calvary's a lock. Savannah Country Day at Groves. Country Day is a lock. Okay. Unless there's a letdown. All right. And the two games that have a lot of art riding on it, Long County at Johnson at Island Stadium, and then Liberty County at Savannah Christian at Pula Stadium. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot going into those two games. Yeah, I mean, the, I, mean I talked about this in the read option newsletter this past week, Carl. This, th this thing could go a hundred different ways. But I think, I think the most likely outcome is that the first thing is Savannah Christian beats Liberty County. And so if you want to start from there and work off that. So Savannah Christian beats Liberty County. And let's say Johnson beats Long County. So that's the two Savannah teams winning. Right. If that happens, Savannah Christian's the two. Johnson jumps Liberty into the three spot because they hold the tiebreaker. Then Liberty down to number four. Now, what if Savannah Christian wins, Johnson loses? <laughs> that's Long County at the four. Uh, Liberty County at the three. Savannah Christian at the two, but hear this, Carl Johnson would then drop to number six in the region. They would drop behind country day at that point. So Johnson theoretically could move to th up to three in this one week or down to six in this one week. And so it's all come down to this. I don't think they're going to have quarterback Malachi bacon. And if they did, I would pick them to win this game because they are tough, right? But without him, they just become so one dimensional. Um, and it's tough to win that way, especially against a pretty quality team in Long County. Well, I, I think, I think uh, you know, Liberty, come, Liberty County comes in with, with a, a prolific uh, passer. I forget what the kid's name is. Uh, is it I think Singleton? it's Carlos. Yeah, Carlos Kavirn Singleton. It's like K-E-V-E-R. He, he leads the region in passing. Okay. The kid has thrown for 1,761 yards. I know he's only thrown 14 uh, touchdowns, uh, seven interceptions, but he has a QB rating of like 105. I mean, uh, he's the definition of a gunslinger, too, because he doesn't sit in the pocket very long. This guy's not one of those quiet feet in the pocket. Like when I think of uh, Paulie Seeley, I just right. think of like great fundamentals in the pocket, like scanning right. the field. This guy is not that. Singleton is not that. He's going to stay. He's a lot like Castellanos was at Ware County. He's going to stay behind the line. For as long as he can, but he'll throw it from every different angle. He'll throw a lot of passes he should not throw. Um, but that kind of quarterback can really, really scare opposing teams. Um, Savannah Christian's going to be ready, but he is definitely the best quarterback that they've seen this season outside of Jake Merklinger, obviously. But you see, here's the other key is, uh, you know, they have two receivers that total over 1,200 yards. You got Somerset, who's had seven touchdowns. You had Golden, who's had four touchdowns. I tell you, I watched them play uh, uh, Calvary in that first half. Those two kids, that quarterback, gave Calvary a, a big scare. So there's a lot to cover there on defense. So, uh, you know, uh, Coach Walsh, the defense coordinator at Savannah Christian, he's, he's got his work cut out this week, and we'll see if he's prepared him well for Friday night. Yeah, would you agree with me? Those two – Somerset is the real deal for Liberty County. Oh, That's yeah, a good definitely. point. 
would you agree with me that those two receivers are more catch and break tackle as opposed to like straight line deep threats? Like they they're pretty shifty. It feels like to me. And so I think the, the number one defense to stop that would be what's a defense that's really sound at keeping you in front and tackling. Yes. It's all cut down to tackling. And that to me is Savannah Christian. That's how they stayed in the game with Calvary. Like all those receivers right. mm-hmm. got theirs, but, but then you make the tackle when they're in front of you. That's what Savannah yeah. Christian's going to have to do. And I, I think they'll be able to do that. Um, but you're right. It, like Liberty County has quietly in the first year without coach Warner has put together a really, really good season. It could become a great season if they win on Friday night. Savannah Christian would by far be the best three seed in the state if, yep. if they end up as a three seed. And the word you're looking for, you're looking for yak. Yak. Yards That's after it. Yard, catch. Yards after catch. And those two kids can do it too. I mean, they, they both can do it. I mean, they're both averaging almost 70 yards a game. And how much of that is after they make the catch? But – they also are deep threats too. So that's the scary part about it. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I really like Savannah Christian in, the, oh, so in this matchup. Just because their front is so I don't think Savannah Christian's gonna have to really like blitz. They're gonna do they're gonna let their three guys led by Elijah Griffin on the line. But they also don't want to blitz because they don't want Singleton. They prefer him to stay in the pocket and oh yeah. So it's gonna be one of those kind of games where where you know, hopefully some of those uh, Savannah Christian defensive backs can make some plays because Singleton's going to throw it. He's go- he's going to throw it whether they're open or not. And if he's going to run it on third down, if you don't give him anything, he's going to run it. So you better have a spy, someone that can run with that kid too. So, no, no, I think Savannah Christian is the better team. There's no doubt about it. Uh, watching them play against Calvary Day, both teams play against Calvary Day. Uh, in the second half, there was no comparison with Calvary Day and Liberty County. Uh, in the first half, they gave Calvary Day a scare. But when Calvary and Savannah Christian were toe-to-toe, it's going to be pretty interesting. And I think Savannah Christian, like you said, has a pretty pretty good defensive uh, backfield. So uh, yeah. they're going to have their work cut out. It's not going to be an easy one, but it should be interesting. But I, I think I think they won by at least two or three scores. Yeah, so do I. And look, Savannah Christian's good everywhere. They average 45.5 points, Carl. And yep. they only allow nine points. Yeah, oh, yeah. I know we go over those numbers every week, but I got to say that out loud just so I remember that those are real numbers. <laughs> 45 <laughs> scored, nine allowed. That's crazy. Right. All right. So uh, Bryan County has to go to the Pecan Grove. This is the last Friday night they will be playing in that 76-year-old stadium. They will not be playing any more high school football in the Pecan Grove. That was announced yesterday. It was in the Georgia High School Daily newspaper newsletter, or just like you do with your newsletter. Uh, yeah. They're going to still play flag football and soccer there, but no more football games there. And you know, you know the crowd, the, the community come. That that stadium is unique. That is that is by far Southern Americana football. Yeah, I did not know that. I can't believe that it was just now announced that this was yep. going to be the last. Yep, it was it's not like I would have made the trip up there. I wouldn't have made the trip up there, I'll be honest. But hmm, it would have been, been – yeah, I, that place – that play, I've never seen a game there, Carl, but I've played basketball at Claxon, played baseball at Claxon. As you know, I was an honorable mention all-region basketball player in high school, 5.3 points That's why you didn't get over the football game. field. You like to stay in the gym. They didn't – the basketball coaches wouldn't let me get on the football field. They couldn't <laughs> afford to lose me. That was what they said. Um, but that, yeah, that is, that's probably the number one thing in this area that I think about high school football venue. I'm trying to think of what would be, what would even be second behind that nothing. as far as South, South Georgia goes, at least. Well, um, not Wayne County, Ware County plays in that old minor league ball field. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's the, uh, poor man's Memorial stadium. Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, so- and then what's the one it's Pierce County. Pierce County plays at their school, plays on campus. Yeah, um, ECI's was another one. Emanuel County was the other one that I was thinking of. Now, that place back in the early 2010s used to be crazy. Toombs County plays in the pit. You know, there's – Toombs County in the pit. Yeah, that's right. Claxton is – I mean, it's it's just – I mean, old school southern football. In the homestands, there are six pecan – Trees that grow that that have grown through the the, the bleachers. I mean, it, it's just 
I've been there four or five times because my boys have played there. It's just unique. And uh, I mean, but you know what? Uh, Claxton's been pretty good this year. They got, uh, but Redskins don't count out Bryan County. I mean, they've been a surprise all year. So the winner is the three seed. The, the winner is the, is the four seed, seed right? no matter what. No matter what. Um, huh. I guess I would have liked to see like common opponents, how they did against other opponents. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think you'd have to pick Claxton given that environment and given that it's the last game ever there. That's a tough thing to walk into if you're uh, Sherrard Freeman and the Redskins. I mean, you know, the, the whole the whole community is going to be there. It's a block from the school. The team walks down the field. Now, that's a true uh, – that would be a true Claxton Tiger walk. So I'll tell you right now. Let me just pull this up right now. All right, where's the pre – go to the schedule. Schedule, okay. So we got to go all the way down here. Let's preview it. Do they have any common opponents? Okay, let's see. They should have the region opponents, like – they do that little breakdown and they got the, uh, you know, they have who they played and who scored what on them. So it's the last game of the season. So uh, come on, coach. This is part of the uh, internet. Hey, it's part of the podcast. You got to love it that you can, you're, you got this at the, at your fingertips. All right. Let's see. Common opponents. All right. Data, Claxton videos, team stats. Uh, Okay, common opponents, okay? Uh, they both played Tattnall. Uh, no, uh, Bryan County did not play Tattnall County. It was postponed. Bryan County played Wheeler County and won 42, 40-13. All right, Claxton played them, beat them 25-20. Uh, they both played Metter. Metter beat Bryan County 30-0, beat uh, Claxton 42-0. They both played Screven. Screven beat Bryan County 19-0. They beat Claxton 34-6. And they both walloped on uh, Savannah High 41-0 and 56-0. So, uh, I don't know. It could be an interesting one. Common opponents, uh, Bryan County is 2-2. Two two. Claxton's 1-4. Yeah. You know what? You've swayed my opinion. I'm going – let's go Redskins. I'm going Bryan County. You can lock it in. The pick's official. <laughs> Bryan County over Claxton. Well, looking at their team stat comparison, Bryan County runs for 219 yards a game. Claxton, 162. They both don't pass for anything. Cla uh, Bryan County, 26 yards a game. Uh, Claxton, 30 yards a game. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be a quick game by what the stats tell us. You know what I hear as a reporter when you say that? That means the clock is running, baby. Keep the <laughs> clock running. That's so, what we like to see. All right, let's get quickly into the uh, Georgia Independent Athletic Association St. Andrews taking on Frederica for the region championship. Who would have thought that Kevin Persant with a team that was 0-3 would be playing for the region championship at the end of the year? Yeah, not me. I, I think if you would have asked him at the beginning of the season, Carl, Persant would have told you, yeah, yeah, we'll be there. But there probably would have been a sly grin on his face. I don't know that he would have believed they've been at this point. Like I knew they had a tough non-region schedule or or – non-conference schedule um but the scores made it look like yeah they're a year or two away and now they're going up against frederica academy with a real chance to be to at least have a share of a number one seed i, I think i don't think they would get the one seed if I, if I was reading those standings correctly as far as the tiebreakers go but to have the same record basically as the one seed would be well, incredible you know and it would help them in that I think it's only a 10-team playoff, right, in GIAA? Right. Uh, but you know what? They'd have the same identical record in region. So the tieback breaker is head-to-head. St. Andrews would be the region champion. Really? Patrick is 2-0 in region play. So that means they beat Pinewood and Bullock. St. Andrews is 1-1 because they lost to Pinewood and they beat Bullock. So if St. Andrews breached Frederica, it'll, they both wind up with the same record it goes to head-to-head. -head. It goes to St. Andrews. But what if Pinewood wins their last game? Then they would be 2-1 and one also, right? Then we could have a coin flip, or then we could be playing a mini tiebreaker. I don't know how they do that in Georgia Independent League. <laughs> but just the fact that St. Andrews would, like, be in that scenario would be awesome for them. I mean, oh, they, yeah. they are not too – Carl, they're not too far removed from being, like, 
where percent was telling us off the record, you know, we have like 14 guys that are out for spring, spring ball right now. And, you know, now they're up close to 40 guys and they're, you know, they're in a conversation about a region title. That's crazy. That's, that's when when you start winning, everybody wants to be part of it. So, you know, they started winning, they got on that four game winning streak and uh, all the kids started coming out and, I guess uh, Kevin said, "Okay, guys, let's 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 come out and play. We'll see what happens." And uh, all right, let's see. Let me give this right here. Who are they playing tomorrow night? It just Pine goes to show here. you, too, Carl. It, it goes to show you that how much a quarterback can do for you. Like if you've got the quarterback situation figured out. Yeah, we'd have to find out the tiebreaker because Pinewood Christian is going to Bullock Academy, so that's going to be pretty interesting because Bullock Academy is not that bad. So yeah, yeah, we <laughs> could have, have chaos teams- there. You could have chaos there. It could be going to a mini tiebreaker or a, a coin flip. I don't know how they do it in the Georgia Independent Athletic Association. we got to find out from Kevin Prasan how that's going to work. I'd like to volunteer to flip the coin if, if it comes to that. <laughs> All right. I'd like to last, volunteer. Okay. We combine the last two quarters together, so we're not going to go into a playoff breakdown. We already gave you, you know, the scenarios. But the only team that starts the playoffs tomorrow night in Skiza – uh, is Bethesda at Spartanburg Christian Academy? Bethesda comes in seven and three. Spartanburg Christian comes in at six and four. So uh, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what it's going to be like for the Blazers on the road. Yeah, neither do I. I mean, like it's like we've talked about with Bethesda the last few weeks. They're anyone's guess as far as as far as which team is going to show up. I would say that that if you go back and look at it was the year before COVID. So it would have been 2019, 2020, I think, um, that they had a similar October, like a similar September and October stretch where they were like two and two or something. And then they caught fire, um, ended up going all the way to the state title game uh, behind what was a really good quarterback. His name escapes me now. But anyway, so there, and Antoine Turner's been here dozens of times. I mean, he's been in this situation a bunch of times. And he's got his two, I would say three now, three main offensive weapons in Tristan Randall, Jones, and um, Karay Stafford in the backfield. So they have enough weapons. I'll confess I don't know a lot about Spartanburg Christian Academy, but I, I do know that Bethesda will be able to match up to most teams in Skiza athletically. So now it's just a matter of them putting it together on their own. They've both played, believe it or not, Six teams on their schedule, exactly six teams. They're both four or two against common opponents. <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? Oh, boy, who would have thunk that? So, uh, I mean, as far as what they do, as far as rushing-wise, I mean, uh, you know, Stafford, uh, you know, he uh, – they uh, Spartanburg Christian has a uh, running back who averages 140 yards a game. So, I guess they're going to do the down game and uh, passing yards – uh, looks like um, Spartanburg Christian only has, uh, you know, averages 20 yards a game. <laughs> so well, that doesn't seem very good. No, it doesn't seem very good at all. So uh, you stop the run, you stop Spartanburg Christian. Yeah, like I said, Spartanburg Christian averages 278 yards on the ground, 25 yards passing, where the Blazers average 214 on the ground, but they average almost 80 yards in the air. So uh, it's pretty much even. So it's it, uh, I don't know how you get – well, I guess it's a two and three, you know, because Bethesda finished number two, and I guess Spartansburg Christian finished number two in their region. Huh. Yeah, this what – what I'm looking at says um, Bethesda would face the winner of Thomas Sumter and Williamsburg in the Class 2A – in Class 2A Skiza to see who comes out of that. So right. if they get past Spartanburg Christian, then you're within – you're within eight quarters of a state championship game. Yep. Yep. You know, you have to win three games in skis to win the whole thing. So, uh, you know, and yeah. they, they get done a lot earlier than uh, Georgia High School State Association and the Georgia Independent Athletic Association. So, well, we don't really have to go into the playoffs because we talked about all the scenarios in this uh, this quarter. So uh, other than that, any thoughts about tomorrow night? Well, yeah. How about tonight? New Hampshire against Benedictine. Any thoughts tomorrow night? Uh, no, not really. Are you ready to start recording now? Yeah. <laughs> 50 minutes later, uh, we, 
We've recorded a lot. <laughs> um, no, no thoughts on Thursday night. I would just say soak it up if you're um, a high school football fan in this area because it starts shrinking now. You know, from here on out, the schedule is going to start shrinking. And, you know, if there's a player, players, coaches that you want to see that you haven't seen yet, go do it because, it, you know, it might be too late sooner rather than later. And also, you know, in today's age and climate, there's no guarantee that a lot of these, that any of these players or any of these coaches are back, even if they're underclassmen or even if they're not, you know, expected to leave their school. So not a lot of time left, but I I think we'll have at least a few state playoff games in the area in the coming weeks. Oh, we definitely will. So uh, we can probably get together and talk about the playoffs next week. So once again, Appreciate what you do, Travis. Thanks for coming on. Okay, give yourself a plug where they can find more information from Jadon Sports. Yep, uh, I'm at Jadon Sports on Twitter and Instagram. It's J-A-U-D-O-N. Um, so you can find me there and uh, connectsavannah.com. You can read uh, my column every week, mostly about high school sports, sometimes about colleges, um, but usually Southeastern sports related. Uh, and then all the game recaps, previews, stories, and all that stuff on prepsportsreport.com, as well as Hot Grits Podcast, anywhere you get your podcasts every Tuesday. Uh, it's been Savannah's sports podcast since March of 2020, and we're almost at 140 episodes now. So you can nice. get that wherever you find podcasts. All right. I'll be talking to you in the next couple of days. Uh, we'll get together and uh, talk about what happened, but I appreciate you coming on. And uh, once again, it's always a lot of fun. All right. Thanks, Carl. Appreciate it, man. Once again, the guy knows his stuff. Uh, I mean, he's a young uh, go-getter. He's heavily involved in what's going on in the Savannah sports scene. It's not just high school sports. You know, I I think his article this week on that came out uh, yesterday was about the uh, Savannah Ghost Pirates opening it up. Uh, You know, Hot Grids podcast. Uh, Just his thoughts about national and local sports. So check it out. Once again, it's been a lot of fun. If you've been listening... Remember, this is the Prep Sports Report High School Pigskin Preview for week number 12. And like Travis said, go out there and support your school. But most of all, go out there and support the the athletes who put it on the line every day in practice and, of course, every Friday night under the lights because that's what it's all about. You're not going to find a more pure sport or a more uh, pure sports level than high school sports. So once again, have a lot of sportsmanship. Enjoy tomorrow night, and this is the coach, Carl Tomasi, and you've been listening to the Prep Sports Board High School Preview for week number 12 for November 3rd, 2022. Talk to you later. Go root for your team. Next week, it's the playoffs.